0: Welcome back to your tech report
1: Welcome back to your tech report. He is Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. I am Marco Flallow in Montreal. there's a reason I bring up our location Mitchell, but before yes. I get into that let's remind people how they can follow us on Twitter It is at your tech report facebook.com slash your tech report of course, our YouTube channel as well youtube.com slash your tech report and Instagram. So, Mitchell, the reason I brought up our location is because our next guest is from a company called CyberLink. And I'm sure you've heard of this company before. Of course. They've been creating software, you know, video editing software and a whole suite of software for a very long time. Let's, let's bring on our guest, Mitchell, and then we'll get into the, the meat of this. Richard Carrier, and I say that with the French pronunciation because he's originally from where I am, but right now he's where you are. <laughs> uh, Senior VP of Global Marketing for CyberLink. Richard, welcome to your tech report. Thank you for being here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So you're, you're an implant, obviously. You're, you're where, where Mitchell is. I understand why completely, because Mitchell's in a t-shirt and shorts, and I'm sitting here freezing my butt off in Montreal. I'm guessing that you've been there for a while?
2: Uh, yeah, I've been here for 12 years. Uh, I love to fly back to Montreal to see the snow, and I like to fly back home now. <laughs> I can imagine.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, but being in Los Angeles, I totally get that. You know, I just wanted to jump in and, and sort of start off this interview with the everyman perception because, you know, for every technology, for every great technology out there, there is what it actually does and how it evolves. And then there's the perception by the general public. And I think when people hear AI, when people hear artificial intelligence, naturally they go toward the assistance on their mobile device. They go to Siri or Google. And that's what they think about when they think of artificial intelligence. But when we talk about AI, we're talking about such a deeper, deeper, Integration into our everyday lives. It's so much more than just the assistant on our phone, is it not?
2: It is absolutely. And AI itself is not one technology. It's not uh, one application. It's more uh, an evolution of computing, where basically through some algorithms, uh, computers can acquire uh, a uh, or build a very sophisticated database in some specific fields. Kind of chasing what's available on the net on the public web, and it just makes it so much more uh, relevant and helpful in the most cases.
1: So, how does this tie into? You know, I I look at let's let's get into some of the company history for a second. Let's let's backtrack a bit because I Mm want to see how AI kind of ties into the existing software. But can you tell people about you know about Cyberlink as a company, where you've come from, and where we are today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh CyberLink was founded uh, way back in 1996 by a group of professors at the National Taiwan University, which arguably would be like the Asian uh, MIT, and uh, at the time they had just founded the Department of Computer Sciences there, and they had a group of professors who was very interested in uh, digital media. So, early on, uh, we developed video playback applications one of the best known is called Power DVD, which uh, still today is yep. installed on most of computers in the world that ship with a, uh, an optical drive. And it plays obviously uh, much more than DVDs. It plays uh, all the, the discs all the way to ultra HD Blu-ray. It also plays any file uh, quality uh, up to 4K. Uh, I could go on and on. So that's kind of the origin of the company. Uh, very quickly, we uh, branched out into taking the knowledge, some of the uh, patented technologies we had to manipulate image, and we evolved into video editing. So we have a suite of creative software, now a complete suite that covers video, photo editing, all sorts of adjustments, uh, all the way from uh, novice users to uh, prosumers and professionals. It's uh, the director family of products, so power directors are video editor, photo directors are photo editor, and so on. And uh, we have also brought in more recently uh, a couple of other areas that are quite interesting. Um, one is around streaming. So we have all sorts of streaming capabilities, bringing, again, the, the, our knowledge of voice and video enhancements into real-time. So we have anywhere from a suite of uh, unified uh, communication tools called U, the letter U, uh, to some uh, utility tools uh, to enhance the use of your webcam, so you can do augmented reality, communicate with your kid when you're traveling and replace yourself by a a little teddy bear who will tell a story, (laughs) or you do a business communication conference uh, at a cafe and you want to blur the background. And From there, we've also started to implement uh, lots of uh, AI technology to enhance image, to transfer the style from, uh, let's say, masterpiece paintings into uh, videos and photos uh, to facial recognition and other areas. So we're really evolving all around these core technologies that we acquired, that we developed over the years in the field of digital media.
1: You know, this is what I try to tell people when when they think of, uh, you know, the way AI or AR is used, is that is it's it's been used for many, many years, and it's constantly evolving and constantly working its way into things that we use every day. And, you know, you mentioned PowerDVD. I remember using PowerDVD to burn DVD, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago. I mean, you know, so especially today, with the amount of people that are creating content to see that you guys are still up and running and still have these great tools that really are quite easy to use, regardless of the level that you're in, is, is is quite amazing. And to see how and try to understand how AI works into the picture is intriguing as well. So how does it you know, how does it fit in the in the grand scheme of things when you look at yourself as a company and the software solutions that not only you're making, but the the software and the IP that you have that you're licensing to other companies?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, one thing, you, you hit it right on the head, uh, the purpose uh, of our software is to make things like video or photo editing, which are not the most intuitive for a novice user, make it very intuitive, very easy. So we try to uh, meet the right balance of tools that are intuitive, where you can learn to do uh, more and more advanced things without the learning curve of uh, some tools from our competitors where people need to go to school for three, four, five years <laughs> in order to master what they do. And uh, we've been quite successful at it. And the next level, when you talk about artificial intelligence, uh, this is where we can make it even more helpful. Like we can help uh, do anything from enhancing uh, resolution of, uh, of some images. Uh, we can uh, do things like track Subjects on a video, so you can pan and, uh, using one piece of footage, you can use different angles, you can follow different people. Let's say you film your kids at the soccer game, and, uh, you have a camera that films the whole game, be it a regular one, 360 camera, whatever, and then you can create different pieces of footage almost instantly by saying, okay, I want you now to track my kid uh, here, then I, my son, then I want you in the next one to track my daughter or my son's friend or whatever. And uh, so these are some examples of uh, what it can do. Uh, other examples that we, are, we have implemented in, uh, respectively, power director or video editor and photo director. The photo editor is we use the neural networks to teach the computer the styles and brush strokes used by uh, master painters like, uh, uh, <coughs> uh, it could be, uh, Monet, it could be, uh, uh, Rembrandt uh, or others. And what we do is that we learn, uh, the brush strokes and, uh, when people can apply to each frame of a video, uh, these brush strokes and suddenly what you have in a matter of uh, minutes is a video that looks like a live painting. <laughs> Or a scene That's, in your yeah. vacation video, if you do a home video, where your kid is going and running on the beach, and then uh, suddenly you have a, f- a fade-in where the reality turns into this amazing painting at sunset, and then it turns back into reality. Or we did at uh, at uh, CES recently in Vegas, the big consumer electronics show. Uh, one of our partners, uh, Intel, at their booth, one of the busiest part of the booth was... Uh, uh, them using this tool f- to have people shoot a short video clip, like 30 seconds, that then a uh, professional a movie director named Christopher Coppola uh, was at the booth, and then he would direct the public to that short <laughs> 30 seconds and turn it into a live painting for them. So these are the kinds of things that are quite extraordinary. Uh, if we were not using a technology like ours, uh, it would take uh, an eternity to create results that are good. And uh, with the help of AI, it just takes a couple of, You click one button and it takes a few minutes and you have it. So these are some of the applications that exist today and we're pretty proud of because they're quite unique and they really uh, make people feel like they can create art out of any any content they have
0: you know, I, I love that you just brought this up because it, it's such it's such a visual representation of what AI can do about the possibilities. But one of the things that sort of struck me about what you were talking about, especially on the in you know, on the art side, is the interaction between software, between machine and software, and the human being. And it seems like part of the job of AI, obviously, is to respond and to make decision auto- make decisions autonomously, making things easier for us. But there's also that integration on the human side, where it requires input from the people using the software to make the machine learning grow that much faster, to make the AI respond and grow. So there's got to be some great integration and a learning curve between the software and a human being to make it get even better down the line. Is that true?
2: Oh, it's true, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the thing of AI is... Uh... Uh, again, I don't want to get into the the creepy stuff of saying, "Oh, <laughs> computers will replace humans." The way they learn—it's at the right. end of the day, it's an algorithm. So let's not uh, right. go, <laughs> go go uh, crazy on that. But <laughs> effectively, every input uh, that come goes through the algorithm can be added to that database of knowledge, that then the computer can uh, can use to be even more helpful and uh, this helps one example uh, one of our ai based technology uh, that uh, we're the proudest at the moment is a facial recognition engine and the way it works is that first you have deep learning of uh, millions of uh, faces and facial attributes that goes through neural network just looking at pictures on the web and then we create with that a database that can be brought locally, we say at the edge, so it, you don 't even need to be online or connected to the web or whatever, and then from there uh, let 's say you want in your software uh, one of our features is the ability to find a specific person in your photo database uh, so we have a few f- pictures let 's go back to uh, let 's say your your son and uh, you identify a few pictures in your database of your son with uh, his name, and then you ask the the computer to recognize more and more pictures. And once you have a certain number of it, a handful of it, of these pictures, then uh, you're pretty sure that the computer with a very high level of accuracy uh, will be able to not only find pictures only of your son, but find all the pictures of your son in the database Uh, Regardless regardless of uh,
1: age, too, like it's able to determine, you know, younger versions of your son, older versions of your son.
2: Yep, that's correct. In fact, our facial recognition engine uh, is something that uh, is both integrated in our software, like the use case I explained, but also sits on its own. And uh, in fact, uh, it it can recognize uh, people, like uh, where are the people in an image? Uh, it tracks over a hundred points in the face of people so that you can then reapply for augmented reality. Uh, th- thanks to that tracking in the database, it can identify gender, age, Ooh. moods. Wow! Uh, and then with that, <laughs> you can have all sorts of interesting appl- applications. You can say, I want to see all the pictures of my son when he was between the age of 10 and 15. And, and he, he wasn't was, crying. He was smiling. <laughs> or, Take the engine outside of our software because we also package the technology as a tool called FaceMe and this is really a development tool for all sorts of applications. Uh, then you want to apply that to smart retail. So we have a partnership at the moment where we license FaceMe to, uh, Acer, uh, one of the computer companies for, uh, some smart signage, digital signage. So you have these screens on top of them. You have a camera. And based on who's looking at this screen, at this sign, it says, "Okay, this is Mark. He's a man. He seems happy. He's in his thirties. Uh, I want to show him ads about this latest technology as he walks in the store." Yeah. Then there's Grandma who seems a little grumpy and uh, <laughs> today or whatever. Then I will adjust. Or let's say I show to Mark something about some cool new technology. Mark doesn't seem interested at all, then I say, oh, okay, maybe Mark wants to see advertisement about, I don't know, the latest movie that's available in Blu-ray in the store. And uh, so that's an application that exists today with our technology and starting to gain a lot of interest. So people walk in a store, uh, first they can be recognized as, okay, this is a VIP customer because Mark has been in our store 10 times over the last three months. We don't even know him and we don't keep the, like, we don't keep your face specifically. It's all pixels that are completely decomposed, so there's no privacy invasion. But we, we recognize that, okay, you've been here a lot. Uh, or you walk to the store and through the different cameras already in the store we can monitor traffic, just like a heat map on a website. We say, you know what, everybody congregates around that display, and they seem quite happy, and they spend a good amount of time, so that must be a place of high interest, whereas the other part of the store, nothing ever happens, so maybe we should reconfigure it. So that, that's, again, that's just one application technology. Uh, we apply the same to security, uh, building facility access, where... Uh, the level of precision of our algorithm is one of the top 10 in the world, according to a recent uh, study by the University of Washington. And uh, basically, the level of precision, without being too technical, is 98.4% oh, wow. of wow. the time we recognize the, uh, the person. And when we recognize that person, uh, the false positives, so the risk of error that we say uh, we recognize the wrong person, Is less than one in a million so uh, it's very precise it's good enough for the most secure places in the world and uh, that's an application that again we package today we package with a few companies already uh, that install that around the world
0: you know, I I I'm I'm sort of going to be the everyman for our audience for this interview, and and I'm just as a consumer, you know, going back to what you were talking about, walking into a store that has cameras, my mind was swimming as I was smiling. I had a huge smile, Richard, while you were talking about this because I could imagine. And and tell me if this application is true, and this is if this is basically a good synopsis of the possibilities of this technology. I'm on my computer, which has a webcam. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am browsing the web. I don't even have to have the webcam on because the information about my browsing history, that can be shared if I give that permission. I'm browsing the web. I'm looking for a particular appliance for my home well, Best Buy maybe has that information, or I've given them access to that information, they know that I've been browsing and looking at a new dishwasher. The second I walk in to Best Buy, the cameras in that store recognize my face, they, they sort of put that together with my browsing history, and they say, oh, dishwashers are in aisle three. So, I mean, we're talking, I mean, obviously that's a big, you know, ham sort of example, but this is the sort of thing that we can have happen that seems like it's so far away, but this technology is available now if we allow the access, and it really it really this part that's a little creepy but big picture for me as a consumer i think it's fantastic
2: yeah no that's that's exactly what it is uh it all depends on the implementation Uh, What we offer i like often i like to describe our facial recognition technology like a very smart lens in front of a camera right so that's what we offer so of course a use case of uh If Best Buy was going to spy on you, and sorry, I shouldn't say that because Best Buy would not do that, but right, right, right. Uh, so, but if, if a, a retailer was going to acquire information about you, even with your consent hidden somewhere in a right. uh, EULA, and then you walk in the physical store and they make the connection without your permission, that would be a problem. Right. I think there are laws against it in most countries. Right. Uh, but... Take a different case, Uh, let's say a club store, uh, where you're a premium member, and very explicitly they say, you know what, as a special member, when you visit our physical store, uh, we want to enhance your experience, so if you will allow us, uh, we will use your picture to greet you and offer you these special benefits. Then you might say, "Yeah, you know what? I like that, yeah. and I trust this uh, this uh, this store because this is a highly reputable chain." And and then it it's up to you. So there are ways to do it right.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, if there's if there's uh, if there's technology that can enhance the way we interact with things or make our lives easier, then we're a little mm-hmm. bit more open to accepting it. You know, I, I, we talked off the top of the show today, we were talking about a story where in the Miami International Airport, they're testing uh, facial recognition from the point of check-in. So, you check in, they scan your face, they compare it to your mm-hmm. passport, they make sure you are who you are, but then you never need to take out another document when you walk through the process. When you get to TSA and those checks, it scans your face and says, yep, you're supposed to be here. To the point mm-hmm. of boarding your Lufthansa Flight and they're testing this wow. on international flights. And this is a, a perfect example of something that, again, you have to make sure that you are very upfront and you explain that the data is gone after a certain period of time and there's no way they can use this data against you. And I think the people will get over the security concerns and realize that there really is a true benefit to your way of life and and just catering things directly to you. You know, it's a form of, in some cases, it's a form of security. In some cases, it's a form of, you know, st- extremely strategically targeted advertising, which, as consumers, I think we like. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah and the example you're giving mm-hmm. in the airport is a pretty good one because already in uh, secure uh, facilities like airports, there are cameras everywhere tracking people and yeah. there's already AI implemented everywhere to try to identify uh, uh, behaviors that might uh, raise a red light. Yeah. So transforming it, as you said, as a way to uh, streamline the experience of passengers. I mean, when you walk through security at the airport, they already have your entire life history on their screen. So (laughs) you're basically giving
1: that to them just by buying a plane ticket. You know, so yes, pretty much. Yeah, pretty
2: much. I mean, that's that's how it is, and your ID that they use. So uh, in that case, uh, it makes total sense. And you know what? As a passenger, if I know that airport has better security and I'm a safer person in this facility on that that, plane, I'm pretty happy about it. Exactly.
1: So. Exactly. Richard, you know, I'd love, I think we could probably talk for another hour and a half, but unfortunately Mm -hmm. we don't have the time. I wanted to thank you honestly for coming on and talking to us. People can go to uh, Cyberlink.com to obviously check out the whole suite of software. Uh, let's make sure we keep in touch and talk down the road because there's so many cool things to talk about. And I think we could spend so much time together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That would be lovely. And, uh, Mark Mitchell, if the three of us are ever in the same town, Los Angeles or Montreal, let's uh, get together.
1: Absolutely. We would love we'll, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. meat on me or whatever you guys like in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.
2: <laughs> Perfect. Thanks a lot, gentlemen.
1: And thank you guys for being with us this week on Your Tech Report. As always, check out yourtechreport.com for all our older interviews, and please keep in touch and contact at yourtechreport.com is our email address. On behalf of Mitchell Whitfield, I am Mark Aflalo.